Take it away, Michael. All right, so you guys got to meet me before. I'm Michael Pearson. I'm the president of both DSA Technologies and DSA Construction Software Solutions. And uh, uh, just come here to spend some time with you guys, tell you guys a little bit about me, um, answer some questions uh, for you guys. Um, I, I gave a little bit of my background um, when I was at the event, but I was only briefly. So I, I guess I'll give you guys a little bit more about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm part Mexican, part white. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in a place called Pomona, down in Southern California. It was one of the top 10 worst places to live, uh, and most dangerous places to live when I was growing up, so it wasn't a friendly place necessarily. Um, and, and we grew up very poor uh, in that. Uh, a lot of gang affiliation in my family. So our family reunions would kind of look like riots. You know, you'd get, you'd get all sorts of, you know, everyone being friendly to each other, but we'd probably represent 10, 15 gangs in our family reunions. Wow. So it was a very uh, different kind of growing up. And um, I was very blessed and, and fortunate um, that when I was uh, probably about 12 or 13 years old, um, the main gang guys in our neighborhood, their mom, used to always try to get someone to go to church. And I was the youngest one. So we we're all hanging out, and she wanted someone to go to church. And all the older guys were like, yeah, that's you. You're the youngest one. you got to go. And um, ended up, I would go and hang out with her. She's this, this lady. She would take me, and we had, we had a great time. And it just really kind of started to change my direction and change my course. So she was, uh, uh, she was absolutely great. Um, and my mom, uh, so I, I was raised by my stepdad. And so my birth father was... Uh, was in prison, was a heroin addict, was abusive to the family, all that kind of stuff. And But my, my, my dad who raised me did uh, just a great job, very hard working, um, which meant we all worked very hard as a result of that, right? So he expected that of us, but uh, so it taught me some really good habits. And I was very fortunate in that I did well in school, even though I wasn't at a good school. I was able to uh, to still, thank God, do, do well enough. Um, uh, well enough my junior year that, that that's actually what got me into college. So I, I took my SATs my junior year, mm -hmm. and I scored fairly well. Um, I missed them my senior year because I went out the night before, <laughs> uh, and I woke up midway through the SAT exam uh, the next morning. Oh, so wow. fortunately, my scores from my junior year were, were good enough that I was okay. able to get into college. Um, so I spent half a year at an art school, and decided I didn't want to, I realized that in order to make money in art, you had to die, and that didn't sound like good. <laughs> not a good that's financial true. plan, right? If you want to make money, you that's gotta die, and someone else is gonna make money. I decided I, I need to go to business school, so I ended up uh, going to Cal Poly Pomona, and I got a degree in uh, finance, real estate, and law, uh, emphasis in securities analysis. So I wanted to work as a, as a broker, I wanted to work in mergers and acquisitions. Um, at that time, my wife, my current, my wife, who is, is my wife now, we were dating at that time, went to rival high schools and uh, started dating our senior years. And, but all those guys that, um, when I was graduating, that I was going to go follow, uh, you guys are too young to know, but there were companies called Drexel Burnham and a gentleman named Michael Milken, and uh, he's the inventor of junk bonds and leverage buyouts, and all those guys were getting orange jumpsuits for... Uh, <laughs> Some of the stuff was going on, and I just so happened to take a computer class my senior year of college, or my, it was been my senior year of college, and it just kind of came, or my junior year of college, it just kind of came naturally to me. Hmm. I thought, oh, this is real logical, right? Programming is real logical. I, I'm, I'm a very logical guy, I get that. So I, um, I, I 
started going down that path of computers and um, and again my story of how I got to become the the president of DSA is really uh, one of just taking advantage of opportunities so it kind of starts out a little bit odd so I was offered a job uh, to wash pools and tennis courts mm. which as a college student I thought this is awesome I'm gonna get to walk around <laughs> flip-flops occasionally maybe have to wear a shirt but I would wash down the tennis court and tennis courts you have to actually squeegee down tennis courts oh. so I would, and I would squeegee the tennis courts and I would uh, wash the pool deck at this uh, uh, condominium community but whenever they had trouble on the computers they would call me in the office I'd go in the office mm. and I'm like oh you and I'd help them out on the computer and uh, the company that ran that ended up offering me a job in the office hmm. and then um, that job in the office they decided they were doing a big computer program a swap for uh, 60 properties across the United States and paying consultants a lot of money and they asked me hey do you want to come up to our corporate office at the time it was in Stockton wow. do you want to come up to our corporate office and, and be a part of this project and so I dropped out of, I left at school for one semester and I went up there I did that and when I came back they were going to give me my job back which I didn't want anymore right I, 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 I learned all this stuff pulled the cord and said, I'll, I'll, I'll be an independent contractor. So the gentleman who, who, uh, who wanted me to work with him uh, back at their headquarters, it was an IT guy, and he said, yeah, I can't take your job, but if you quit and were an independent contractor, I could hire you back. So that's what I did for my last two years of school. And then he spun that group out, started, he's the founder of, of DSA Technologies, our company, uh, or at that time, Delta Systems Associates. And when he started the company, he said, hey, why don't you move up here? So I was just finishing up school, uh, trying to get through school. My wife had finished up school um, the year before me. We'd gotten married just after she finished school, had an apartment down there, and and then came up, looked for churches, and found a real nice church to go to, and we decided to move on up. And um, so I started the company, uh, started working with him uh, 27 years ago last month was when I started working wow. at the company originally. And uh, it was hard work. When I first started, I was learning a lot. I was telling these guys I was probably working 50 to 70 hours a week. Mm. Um, and I did that for seven years until I became a partner. I had to buy in to be a partner. Mm. So I saved up a bunch of money, worked my butt off, and then I had to pay money to become a partner in the company. And um, so I, I did that. Uh, that was probably in 98, 99 uh, time frame when that happened. And then all that stuff just kind of blew up, and I was uh, in a real fortunate situation in that I, the piece of the business that I was working on um, was in real estate-related, IT for real estate. And the real estate market was going up, and there were three of us that were partners, and as the, as the company started having a hard time, it's called, again, way before your time, but at one point there was a dot-com blow-up, a dot-com bust, oh, and, yeah, dot com. You know, and, and nobody was spending any money, and we were in a lot of trouble. And, uh, I ended up acquiring the company from the other two partners. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we, at one point we had just 18 employees. And we, at that point we dropped all the way down to four. Because mm -hmm. uh, there was just nothing going on. So I, I launched it again with four people in 2003. And uh, just decided, well Lord, let's see what's gonna happen. Let's see how, what, what we can do with this. And we took a lot of risks and um, very careful with our finances. and. So today we have 45 staff um, in Northern California. Right. And then two years ago, or at the end of 2017, uh, 2016, we launched an, the, our second company, which is DSA Construction Software Solutions, just related to the home building industry, and right. all IT-based as well. 
So uh, yeah, been very providential, very uh, odd turns, a lot of hard work. I was telling yeah. you guys earlier that what my mindset when I first kind of got my first real job with them was the whole thing of you know a rising tide all boats float. So I thought, well, if I can make my boss really successful, mm-hmm. he'll like me, and I'll get to be more and more successful with him. And and that right. really turned out to be the case. And he right. was very gracious to me and. Uh, took me under his wing, and I, I, again, I put in a lot of time, but learned a lot from him, and um, really enjoyed it. And, and I, oddly enough, I, again, I told you guys I was, gonna, I thought I was going to go into mergers and acquisitions. I didn't get to do that, but through this business, I've actually acquired three other companies and kind of folded them into our wow. our business. So that's been kind of fun. So I've still got to do yeah. some of that a little bit, yeah. which I've really enjoyed. Um, so uh, yeah, so good, good stuff. And um, you know, for me, it's it's. It's, I think I talked with you guys last time, you know, uh, my faith has been important. Um, growth mindset, I talked with you guys a little bit yeah. about that before, having that growth mindset of nothing can hinder me. I, it's, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do? But I'm growing. I'm not letting anything hold me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then wanting to give back. So, you know, about eight years ago, my wife and I started a charity, the Matthew 619 Foundation. And um, that's all been about giving back to... Uh, single parent, uh, typically moms, obviously, uh, single parent families and, and, and other people to try to, to give back to them and, and try to help wherever we can. So what questions, or what can yeah. I talk with you guys about? Yeah. So the thing you'll find out for me is, I'm an open book, I'll pretty much answer yeah. almost yeah. anything yeah. you guys will ask me. got a bunch of questions. You, I'll take it, go. Go. I've been drilling yeah. more questions we'll before y'all got here. <laughs> you said what? Uh, so I've been drilling on what questions before you got here, so feel free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do yeah, it. So my first question is when when y'all hit that, because a lot of people quit when they hit uh, trouble sometimes, and like honestly, like without IYT, I probably would have dropped out of school because I'm actually a computer science major, and it's super, to me, I'm not I'm I'm not a very logical person. I kind of like feel out like the answers for things, and when it comes to things that are not math and science related then like I'll usually get it right. But when it comes to math and science stuff, like you can't do that. You kind of have to like have that mindset for it and be very logical. So when you guys um, were having that turbulent time around like 1999 to 2002, 2003, what really motivated you to stick with it instead mm-hmm. of just dropping in and being like, you know what, we were down to our last bit of resources. <laughs> Let's just call it, a, call it a day and start up something different yeah so it was really interesting so we had calculated it out and we had we, we could survive four or five months mm-hmm. and that was then we, then we would God. be we were done right so that's where we were and really it was the, the you know the part of it was me pressing the issue of saying guys we have to do something because mm-hmm. I think the tendency is to let the money run out and not do anything because yeah. you, you, you let the money run out and you just don't you don't know what to do mm-hmm. so what we did is we said we I started pressing the issue and he said, you're right, this isn't going to work. So what you need to do in that case is sometimes you have to shed overhead. We need to cut, we need to scale back. We need to, you know, you have to protect what little you have. And sometimes that costs people their jobs, right? So, but it's better than no one having a job. At least some people had a job. Yeah. So we really scaled back as best we could and did everything uh, we could to put ourselves and only focus on those things that were being successful. Mm-hmm. And, and 
you know, it's amazing if if you're if you're looking at you losing your livelihood, it's amazing how motivated you can get. Yeah. <laughs> for school, it's different. Yeah. You know, for school, it's it's you're not. For school, it's I'm planning for the future. If it's your job and you have a house, uh, a wife at home, and you have yeah, kids, yeah. you are very motivated to <laughs> yeah. to keep working and to get stuff done. Gotcha. Um, and and I've been very blessed to have things really kind of fall my way. Um, by the end, within two years we were back up to uh, 17 people. Mm -hmm. We landed a couple of really big projects and it just, that really jumped us and we're back up to 17 people within two years. Mm -hmm. So basically the things you had on the line was what motivated motivated you to uh, plan out and strategize the way to get your business back on track. Right. Kind of. And the other thing too is being very comfortable with what is your fallback position, Mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes you can get, you don't want to take risks so for me, I always knew what my fallback position was. Mm. You know, we, at that time, we had had a house. We had our kids. And I remember going home and telling my wife, look, if none of this works out, and we had to get rid of the house, we, we, we bought it inexpensively so we could sell it. And if we had to move into an apartment, even if it was a two-bedroom apartment and the kids were in the room with us, they actually wouldn't know the difference and they would probably be happy because they would think it was a good time and that's not a bad place to be. It's, it's where we grew up. Mm. So my, I wasn't afraid of our, my fallback mm. position. So that allowed mm. us to take risk, right? Mm. If you're not afraid of your fallback yeah. position, mm. that's allowed you great. to go hard and take those risks. Don't yeah. be afraid of your fallback. Yeah. So, so in some ways, in some ways, <laughs> you know, in some ways, in some ways, coming from right there. a, in some ways, coming from a tough background, yeah. or coming from poverty, is an advantage because it's like, yeah, I, I've been there. I, I know what that's about. It doesn't matter if I have to go back. So we can take risks that other people may not be willing to take because they're thinking, uh, if I lose this, I'll lose, every, I'll lose everything. I have no idea what that's like. Mm. I, I was pretty comfortable. I didn't, you know. Well, that's deep. Yeah. That was good. So for me, um, right, like, I, I find myself listening to, like, a lot of different motivational speakers, but... I think one of the most one of the most mind-boggling things for me is some of the most motivated, right, successful people I know, right? Just kind of like, well, I just worked hard, like, right? And and they weren't always like intentional about what exactly they're doing, but like they just worked hard, like kind of like how you said, you worked fifty, seventy hours, you know, fifty to seventy hours a week, you know, for seven years, right? Like like was any at any point during that you're like, okay, I'm I wanted I want to be able to do this, or was this like like I just like I'm I'm just working because this is what this is what I have to do, or like this is what I know, like it's just the effort, or were you like intense, like okay I got to put in these amount of hours for this long so I can get to this point, like at, at any what point did you become intentional if at all, and yeah so so if yeah, you can talk so, about that so I'm fairly competitive, so yeah. I became I became it's funny. Um, uh, cause I'm, I'm not necessarily an athlete. I, I can play any sport just mm. enough to be the last guy on the bench. <laughs> right. Like you want me to be, I can play any sport. I'll be the last man on the bench. I won't get to play, but I can play it well enough to be that Make guy. Team, but when it comes to other things, I'm very, very competitive. So for mm. me, I, I had a plan right away. I wanted to, I wanted to be a, a partner. I wanted to be successful and, and whatever that meant. And I knew that meant working hard. I think the important thing is to be in, is right now is a lot of people are trying to get there too fast. Yeah, and none of it's yeah, fast. Yeah. I was telling you guys, yeah. 50 to 70 hours a week, seven years. Um, I'll tell you that that took a toll on me. When, when, I, when I, 
the year after I became a partner, it was sometimes you reach a goal like that and, and there's a bit of a letdown. And I remember walking into my boss and telling him, uh, I want to take a pay cut because I want my life back. I'm working mm. too much. Mm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pay cut, and, but I only want to work 40 to 50 hours a week, not 50 to 70 hours a week. And he said, no, 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 you don't have to take a pay cut, but let's wind things down a little bit. That was my first time I had ever experienced uh, managing people. And I'm not a good manager of people. Mm. So I don't manage people well. And, and, I've, and I've, I've discovered some reasons why that is, and I'll share that with you. But I just, uh, I don't manage people well. I'm a difficult person to work with sometimes because I see the world very differently, mm. which allows me to have some success in other areas. Managing people is not one of those places. Mm. So I would drive them crazy <laughs> and they would drive me crazy because I would see a solution that they wouldn't see and I couldn't understand why they didn't see it. Yeah. And then they were frustrated because they, they're, now they don't understand why they didn't see the solution. <laughs> and it was just kind of this big mix up. And mm. um, so really I, I, I needed to step back. So I went through that, that little bit, but then I was just very intentional about, okay, how do we keep moving it forward? And, mm. um, and, and how do we, how do we move to whatever the next step is? The, the thing where I've been, that hasn't been good for me though is, is that, so we have 45 staff now. I don't really have a plan past this. Mm. So I mean, I've started another company, but in terms of like, what's the next step? I don't really have a plan past this. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what my plan is. So this is an area now for me where I'm working with some others and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's my next thing? Because I don't know what that is exactly. Wow. So it's a different spot for me. Yeah, and I think, and I think, I think, which going back to what, what kind of my point was that, like, I just, I know I've heard a lot of stories of successful people that there's like, they didn't, they didn't really have a trajectory, like, this is where I want to go, but they were just like, they just worked hard yeah. at what they did. So, so for me, I'm, I'm much more the opposite, whereas like, I'm very methodical. So I really try not to make a move or or a decision that doesn't have a purpose. And I mm. think sometimes I get so caught up in that that I I um sometimes I sacrifice on taking opportunities, maybe taking some risks, um and things like that because I'm like I don't if I can't see how okay, how does this you know, I'm a very A to B kind of person. So if yeah. I can't see how this decision is going to get me to point B, right, then then I'm I'm out. Yeah. So, but I know for a lot of successful people, it's like all I know is I, I need to get to the other side. And if if I have to go, you know, C B D, you know, all the way <laughs> yeah. around, like they'll do it. But for me, it's like ah, yeah. I'm gonna keep figuring out how I can get A to B. And it's, mm-hmm. and I find myself I I feel behind. But but a lot of times I'm trying to move faster than. That I know I need to be, but I find myself thinking I'm behind because I, you know, I'm missing out on different things. Yeah, well, and again, I think you have to play to your strengths. You talk about listening to a lot of motivational speakers. I definitely suggest you guys read as much as you can. I was a horrible reader. Um, I got through high school, so you guys are already out of high school, so I'm not telling any high school kids bad stuff, but I got through high school. I don't think I read a complete book. <laughs> Not one complete book all the way up through high school. And then I got into college and I kind of discovered the love for reading. And I would read tons. Even today, I try to read at least one book per month. And I'll do or I'll listen to it on Audible. And, and one of the things that I'm a real fan of is, um, is really playing to your strengths. And just because someone else did it another uh, this way, just do what your strengths are focused on. 
yeah. and let that kind of guide you. And most business books are really focused on what are your weaknesses and how do you fix them. But the studies show that if you focus, instead of focusing that attention on where you're weak, if you focus that attention on where your strengths are, yeah. you can really exponentially improve your strengths. So I think that's a really big thing. And, and I got involved in this probably about two years ago with a, a group called, uh, called Strength, uh, this book called uh, Strength Finders. Oh, yeah. And um, just, a, just a great book. And um, Thank you. Yeah. so in the, in, the, in, the, in the back of the book, there's a, so the book, the piece of the book that you'll read is probably 30 pages. Because the important part is in the back of the book. And in the back of the book, there's an envelope. Mm-hmm. You'll cut the envelope open. It'll, you go to the website, you sign in, and you answer questions. And it's a little bit tricky because it wants to know what you think immediately. So you're going to not only answer questions, it's about 30 minutes, but it, all the questions are timed. Mm-hmm. You like this better than that, you got 20 seconds. You like this better than that, you got 20 seconds. And you just walk yourself through it and just trying to figure out what your intuitions are. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is then it will give you these categories of what your strengths are. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the whole thick part of the book is actually giving you what your individual strengths happen to be. This I will give you your yeah. top five. And the reason I say that that's important is you, you're going to get to learn something about yourself. So, um, so I did this about two years ago. I had my leadership team do it last year, and we're rolling it out company-wide to all of our staff right now. So all of them have taken this, and we're doing this thing. And it's really about how do we engage our employees and make sure that they're operating in their best space possible. This, this young man over here played basketball. He was a point guard or a guard. If, if I put him in a situation where I said, awesome, you're a guard, well, today we're going against a team, and I want you to be center. I'm not helping him out in any way, shape, or form. I'm putting him in a position that if he succeeds, it's going to be really tough, and it's not his situation. Likewise, you don't take some guy who's, you know, you don't take Shaquille O'Neal and say, dude, you're going to be a guard. I need you to run around and chase the little guy. That's not going to happen. So we can't, this is all about how do you get people to operate in their strengths. And again, and you'll learn something about yourself. So when I told you earlier that I don't manage people well, so two of my strengths um, that are, are in the book, um, are rela- they're very rare. So I have two strengths that happen to be very rare, one in 3% of the population, one in 6% of the population. Wow. And one of them is I see things very differently. So I tend to come at things very in a very odd way, but I tend to come up with really interesting answers. Hmm. So that's really helped me in business because I tend to see things different. It's really frustrating to people that work for me. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm coming, I'm, they're like, I don't even know how you, you, you went from like A to Z, I don't even understand what you just did right now. How did you do what you just did? Yeah. So if you're the person who's working for me, that's very frustrating. <laughs> so now that I understand that, I no longer have that expectation that why didn't you see it? Yeah. So, Because I, I, I need to improve, right? I need to be able to at least manage people a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, I'm blessed. I have a great leadership team. They manage really, really well. They're very, very, very good. But seeing that, I realize, okay, this is something about me and how I communicate and connect with people. Um, empathy. So empathy is the ability to feel for other people. That's one of the lowest, so, so you, you guys will get your top five out of this. Yeah. There's 34 strengths, that's like 32 or 33 for me. So now I know I have to practice it. Mm. When someone is telling me something and I should be empathetic, I have to remind myself, 
okay, I'm not good at this. I was about to move on to some other task. I should really probably let <laughs> yeah, them know, oh, yeah. I'm really sorry to hear that. Would you like to talk about that more? But like, I'm, I'm, I'm having yeah. to be A to B about it because yeah. I don't know how to do it. And I'm like, okay, I need yeah. to work on that piece of it. Yeah. Um, so I encourage you guys to go through it, figure out what yeah. your strengths are. And then as you're looking at careers and other stuff, say, gosh, are my strengths kind of aligning with that? Is this going to put me in the best possible place? Because if you're happy and you're operating in your strengths and you're – you're kind of moving forward, that's a great place to be. It's a lot of fun. Um, whereas if you're, you're in an area that you're being constantly challenged, that's not a great place to be. Huh. Um, that's a tough place to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so the interesting part is that I, I, I've actually done this before. I, I've done the strength finder, yeah. Um, um, but I think for me, I think it's going back to what we talked about previously. I still find myself getting caught up of trying to get ahead of myself. So um, I, I think I think there is opportunity for me to kind of step back and say, all right, what? Let's be intense about what I'm actually good at instead of you know instead of where I'm trying to get. Like be intense about where I'm good at, play to my strength, and then develop in that area. What's like your major? I'm an econ major. Econ. Not a strength of mine, ironically. But, you know, <laughs> but, 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 but if you're an A to B matter-of-fact guy... <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's econ. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Goodness sakes. You don't, you don't want some guy winging it in econ, right? No. Goodness <laughs> sakes. You know? It's like, yeah, it could be 20, 30% this way. 20, yeah. No, 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 no. 30% yeah. of your budget. Yeah, these are, these are like real numbers. <laughs> right, that right, you need right. To, that, so that's awesome. That's a, that's a good place to be. No one wants a you know, a, a high-flying finance guy, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that they're, you have to be serious. You got to give me A to B. You have to be conservative in terms of what you're telling me because yeah. it's all about mitigating risk. Yeah. So if your tendency is to mitigate risk, yeah. working in the financial services industry, that's a great place to be because right. you're all about mitigating risk. Hmm. When people take too much risk in financial services, people end up in jail. <laughs> so that's you. You might, for all you know, you're perfectly aligned with what you're doing. That yeah. that could be great because you're you're that way, and and that's perfect. Yeah. That may work out just fine for you. Yeah, I'm going towards you, Sam. Yeah, I got some more. I'm not gonna lie. I've kind of been in a similar type of boat, and being in computer science major sometimes is make it makes me think about it because I'm not actually. Um, when I first started at Sac State, I was a sociology major. I wanted to like study people's behaviors in certain environments, that type of thing. Also, kind of like a minor in philosophy. I was telling uh, my mentor Michael Lynch uh, before uh, that, like I wanted to switch my major to philosophy and like just graduate, get out of school, be done with it. Um, but like this computer science thing, like I really have visions with it in the future and what I want to do with it. But it's just so hard. I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to make it through college doing this type of thing like I would say like what what advice would you have for somebody that like really wants to do something but is just super difficult and they have like an easier route to go to but it may not be as be the route they want to take or because like I feel like I'll regret it down the line maybe three four or five years down the line it's like damn I should have got my degree in computer science type thing you know what I mean yeah so right so so computer science is a tool yeah right so if you want to do what can you do in terms of computer science do you know big data? If I say big data, do you know what I'm talking about? So big data is a term in our industry right now that talks about um, if I was looking at all the data that Facebook has mm-hmm. and I was doing analysis, I'm looking at big data, mm-hmm. right? And I want to look at big data. <clears throat> so if you take something that you feel more inclined to enjoy, like sociology and philosophy, mm-hmm. the problem there is 
you get out and you teach, mm. right? I mean, if you, if you want to be honest, you, if, you, if you major in that, you're gonna, you need to teach because, you know, last time I checked the job ads, philosopher, you know, yeah. there's yeah. not a lot there. So you take a practical skill and say, well, great, I'm interested in that, but I want to do the computer science thing. Well, then how do you connect those two things together? How, is it something that you work in big data? Look in, look in the computer classes, and maybe computer science isn't it. Maybe it's, um, you guys have a MIS degree here? Management information yeah, systems yeah, or something yeah, like that? Maybe, maybe it's, it's a, maybe it's you're just shifted the wrong way. Maybe it's management information systems that is more your thing as opposed to computer science. But you can do something with that. So big data is huge in our industry right now. If you, if you can do data analysis and, and understand the social impact of data, of uh, if, if, I want, this is the, if I want people to vote differently, mm-hmm. right? That was the whole, the whole thing in the right. news. You know, I impact their social, I communicate to them at a social level such that they're not even understanding that what I'm doing is I'm really preying on them yeah. to try to get them to, to go in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when you look at Facebook, when you look at Google, when you look at all these companies, that's what they're struggling with right now is because they're trying to connect people that might be friends. So they might connect you and you and it's like, okay, great, you guys have something in common because you're both at IYT, I'm gonna connect you together. But what that does is it also then tends to only connect like-minded people mm. and we have diversity challenges. Because yeah. if all I'm telling you, if you tell me you like vanilla ice cream and I just keep giving you vanilla ice cream, I'm, not, I'm, not, you're not, I'm just feeding you what you want to know. Mm. So they're trying to now take this big data and say, how do, we, how do we do something better with that? How do we add different of opinions so you're just not feeding some white supremacist a whole bunch of white supremacist nonsense? Yeah. Right? That, that was one of the things that Facebook had a problem with. It's like you get these guys out there and it's like, wait, you're actually feeding them stuff that's making them want to be more off base than they already are? What, what are you doing? And it's, that's what their algorithm was doing. The algorithm is saying, oh, well, they like it, so I'm going to keep giving them more yeah. of it. That's, that's craziness. Yeah. We have to, what's the social impact of that? Yeah. And right. actually, that sounds right on the like, nail of what, kind of what I want to do because I kind of want to do video games but that's also something that I would want to do with the computer science degree and like um, it's just it's just the fact that like when I be, when I, sometimes when I'm thinking about my future I kind of get like nervous about like okay what exactly I'm, am I going to do because there's a lot of jobs out there that like are in like the brochures and stuff you see but there's a lot of unnamed, unnamed jobs that are just not being created kind of based on like the way society is moving forward that I might not even know about but might hear in the future so it kind of gives me reassurance that okay there will be something for me yeah um, once I get this degree yeah and, and you're in an industry that's going to vary a lot it's my industry yeah. right my this industry varies a lot you know I can if I you know um, econ if if you if you're not if you if someone hasn't talked to you about guns and butter and you're an econ person and you know they, they put guns on one side butter on one side and they're talking about econ of how you switch between guns and that's like a very standard econ thing mm-hmm. and and it's that that kind of algorithm has been there for years where they want to talk about the difference you know if you have to trade off your dollars where you trade off you buying butter you buying guns what are you doing with guns and butter whereas in our industry. Um, in the IT industry in the technology industry it's changing so fast if you're teaching what was 
in vogue five years ago, you're doing a disservice to people. Mm-hmm. And I think the colleges are really struggling to keep up with that, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, for years, I remember for years afterwards, they were teaching Fortran and COBOL and other stuff. It's like, yeah, that's great. Except there are no jobs in that because no one does that anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to learn from a logical standpoint, but you should never teach those skills to anybody. They don't make, they're not, it's not skills that make sense. Mm-hmm. So again, the computer science degree, if you like that, that's great. But if it's something that, is really more data and understanding the social situation. Maybe it's something more around um, information systems and big data. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge need for big data analysis and very few people that understand it. You have to be good at statistics, though. I feel like th- I feel like I'm good at like statistics, but not like calculus and stuff like that. I don't know why. Like just certain types of math is super hard for me, but. Uh, yeah, that's definitely apply something. them. Yeah. So the, the thing with math is it's very different to learn formula mm-hmm. versus what I'll refer to as applied math, mm-hmm. right? If I'm telling you something about <coughs> geology or uh, rather geometry, and I'm giving you this formula, that may be hard to understand. If I tell you, look, I have a square plot of land, and I need to divide it into four pieces because I'm going to build two houses on it, mm-hmm. and I need another park. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm applying what is this complicated oh, formula world, to, to real world. It's yeah. like, oh, that makes perfect yeah, sense. That, Why that, did that someone tell me that? That was a piece of, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you look at it that way and you apply it, that helps so math. Yeah, whenever, that's, whenever I'm looking at physics or math, I have to apply them. Tell, yeah. tell me what that means in terms of like real objects, yeah. and yeah. then I can understand it better. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Don't just give me an esoteric formula. So nice. you may be in that same situation. Um, I think one of one of my big questions, and I think what, like, just from what I've learned this far, is what what really fuels and determines your destination. Right, is kind of your why, right? So, like, for you, when did you when did you realize like what your why was? Right, like, was there a point where you like ah, like this is this is this is my why. Like this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm going to continue to pursue, you know, doing this business or do you know starting this organization. Like, like, like when did you when did your why kind of click for you? Um, not early on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It it really didn't. I mean, I I enjoyed the work I was doing. I really like helping people. Um, I, the idea of, of, because I had a business degree, I have a computer company and yet I have a business degree, but the fact that I enjoyed computers, but I had a business, I learned about business and I could connect those two. That was always interesting for me. So part of why I worked hard and why I did what I did is I was actually enjoying it. I was doing things that I enjoyed doing. Um, and, and I think with our business, one of the, when I started to get a why is we, we got an opportunity to work for a company. And IT departments have a notoriously bad, um, had a notoriously bad uh, reputation. They're the IT guys. They always say no. They're always breaking <laughs> stuff. They're supposed to fix stuff. And, and we had a client that came to us and said, gosh, we'd like for you to take over all of our IT operations or find someone who can. Hmm. And uh, at the time, they had 500 employees. They had 15 offices hmm. around the Western United States. And, wow. and I tried to find them someone who could help them, but I couldn't find anyone who would who would give them the service level that they wanted. So I came back to them and I think, I said, you know what, I think, I can't find anyone, but I think I can do it. And, uh, and they said, great, um, get rid of all of our employees, hire new people and take over, you need to hire seven people. <laughs> and, and really the passion and my why for my company 
became really about, uh, about how do we provide great service and great value out of something that traditionally isn't known for great service and value. Mm-hmm. And how do we make um, IT a, a, a valuable asset to a company and not just a cost? And how do we make it have good service? And uh, one of the guys that we, he used to work at one of these companies, he never worked for me, he worked for a client of mine, he would wear a shirt that said, I read your email. Like, that's not good service, right? You, you can't walk right. around to the people that you're serving wearing a shirt that says, I read your email. That, that, that's awkward. It just didn't make any kind of sense to me. Yeah. So for us, it's really been about being very professional and trying to provide great service and trying to provide great value. Um, and, and that's really become our passion. It's one of our core values in terms of uh, being able to provide value because we understand their business. So every time we work in a new industry, we take the time to understand their business. First time I ever worked for a Japanese company, I worked for a Japanese company called Chuokagaku out of Southern California. And I remember I walked in and I was talking with the president. He's a gentleman I'd known from another company. And he had a book in, in, this, uh, in the back that was called The Five S's. And I remember I had a great conversation with him. I got home. I immediately ran out. At that time, we couldn't buy books online. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I went out to Barnes & Noble. I bought a book called The Five S's, and I just poured through the book. What were the five S's about? Why was this important? Why was it on his bookshelf mm. with this, this, this Japanese book? And, and understood about the five S's and what that meant. And, and the next time I was able to meet with him, we now had this connection around the five S's because I knew why he was running the factory the way he was. I knew what he expected from an IT group because of the five S's and what that mm-hmm. meant to him. And it was, just, uh, it was just great. So for me, that became my why is how do I provide great value and really change the reputation IT had? And I think that's gotten better through the years. Mm-hmm. And I think we do a really good job of providing excellent service. <coughs> and and the, the result of that is that in our industry, we're not, a, we're not kind of the Walmart of our industry. We don't battle at price and try to come in real cheap. We're more a high level group. Our cost is probably gonna be more expensive, but you're gonna get excellent quality, you're gonna get great service, and you're going to have professional people at your site trying to help you with their issues. Uh, not some guy showing up in jeans and a t-shirt, <laughs> he's be dressed appropriately yeah. with an I read your email t-shirt. You know? yeah. He's gonna be dressed appropriately and he's gonna yeah. um, expect um, to provide great service and, and we're really taking that to the next level now where, where we don't want to provide service what we want to provide is hospitality mm-hmm. and the difference there is when you the difference I'll give you the restaurant example <laughs> the difference is when you go to a restaurant someone can provide you great service mm-hmm. and it's just you just went to the restaurant and the service was good I mean no big deal but when you go to somewhere where the waitress or the waiter maybe takes time to know you and they overheard that, oh, you really love those fries, so they're bringing you back more fries, but you didn't ask for more fries yet, but they know because they're paying attention and they're trying to relate to you, mm. and they, it's like, they, like they're in tune with you, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're trying to help you. They saw that you had a kid. They immediately brought out a high chair. They you know, got the sippy cup with the lid on it because they knew putting a, a glass of water in front of the kid. I mean, they're doing all those things that that make them, they see your situation and they're trying to solve problems within that situation and provide hospitality, that's a whole different level. So we're really talking to our team about that, about look, we wanna move from not just providing service now, but now we wanna be a hospitality group. How do we provide that? Get to know our clients and care about them such that we understand what's going on and we can provide even better you know, quality to our clients. Okay. So that's that's our that is our why. That's that's, that's what we're good. about. Yeah, that sounds like it's gonna keep being really successful. <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
Anybody got any Just last questions or comments? Or how? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Quick question. I mean, this is a really quick question. <laughs> how much on average do your employees make? It varies. Yeah, so it varies greatly. Um, you know, I always, I always tell people, you know, if you, if you, if you are, if you are a people person and you know something about technology, one of the great ways to make a lot of money in our industry is to become a salesman. So it's a whole different sort of thing, right? A lot of times people think, oh, I'm going to become technical. If you know people and you can sell, you can make a lot of money. Um, we have people starting in our organization that, you know, probably make forty thousand dollars a year. Uh, or more, and then we have people that make substantially more than that, six figures and better, because because of their experience or because of um, their role or because their salespeople can generate enough revenue and commission to do that. You know, if you're a salesperson, you're betting on yourself, so the, the salaries will really vary uh, quite a bit. It just depends um, from entry level. I think the thing I would tell you guys is never let that dissuade you from an opportunity for something that you love. If it's something that you love, if they tell you, we're, we're you know, hey, um, it's, uh, we're going to give you crackers and soda, but it's something that you love, try crackers and soda for a month and see what that's like. And they may find you valuable because you love it so much that they end up giving you a salary, right? You, a lot of times people right away want to jump and say, oh, I need to get my first job and I need to get this. Actually, you don't need anything. What you need to do is find something you love and then go do that. You don't, the, the other stuff will come. Mm. Do something you love and, and the rest of it will be okay. It's good. Yeah. Have you ever been in a point where you weren't doing something you loved and you weren't getting the results you wanted? Yeah, it's a very frustrating place. <laughs> First time I managed people, right? Okay. I, I was very, very frustrated. And now I know that about myself and I'm, I'm, I'm better about it in terms of managing <coughs> people. Um, though I also make sure I only manage very few people and that they know me very well. And whenever someone comes to work for us, one of the first things I tell them is, um, we don't micromanage, you're a professional, we expect you to operate as a professional. If you feel like you're being micromanaged, that's probably a bad thing, because that means we're worried about you not succeeding. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a good job, we're hands off, go keep doing a good job. You don't need someone in your ear bugging you, right? Do your thing. Mm -hmm. If we're bugging you, that may be because we're not sure what's going on. So we, we let everyone kind of, know that up front and that's just the way our organization works we're very uh we let professionals be professional and get their job done i was gonna i was just gonna ask about the, the managing like so what do you do now or like what what has helped you or what have you learned um i don't know i guess this is just because i overthink a lot um or overanalyze um now having to manage people yeah um and I don't think that is a strength of mine, but I would, you know, that's, it just comes with the job. So it's like, how Absolutely. do I, how do I do that? So yeah. it, how, what did you learn or what did you do to at least do a little bit better than Yeah. So, so I used to <coughs> calendar. Uh, so when I walk into the office, I make sure I say, I, I tell everyone hello. Normally I would just go into the office and I would just get to work. Now I make sure I at least walk the office and say hi to everybody. So at least everyone sees me and I'm communicating. Um, I used to put in my calendar. Uh, go check in with this person. And I would literally, I'd have to schedule it in my calendar because it wouldn't come naturally to me. Yeah. Some people are very, they love hanging out and they love checking on people and they love motivating people. It just wasn't my thing. 
So I would put it in my calendar, you know, do these certain things. Frankly, I do that in my personal life as well. So I, I have to, if it's not my calendar, it may never get done in the world. So I operate that way. Right. And then I, as soon as I could get good managers in underneath me, I got, my leadership team is fabulous. I have a great leadership team. It's about five or six people. And they, they, they have those strengths that are, uh, are that help the management side of things. Nice. So, and, they, and they know me and they know that, that I should be uh, <laughs> elevated a little bit away from that. And, um, but yeah, I just had to be very intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And I had to stretch myself and make sure that I was trying to learn in that area. Mm-hmm. And I know I'll never be a great manager. Yeah. Um, I can motivate people. I can give them a why. Um, I can... I can uh, help them with a vision that maybe they can't understand or they can't see, but it'll be like, okay, I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of managing day-to-day operations, not my thing. Yeah. I have to be intentional and focused. So just you know, uh, put some stuff in your calendar to remind you to do those things. And, I'm gonna take that feedback for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm the same exact way. Like, I'm pretty introverted. Yeah. So like, even like walking within the center, like truly, I just want to get to point A. Point B. <laughs> That's me too. But I know so many people else within my team is not like point A to point B. So especially within the like, African American, you're not gonna say hi. Yeah, especially within the African American culture, yeah. like, you have That's to get to point A. So then you're intentional. So now I literally say hi. I try to make sure I'm like, hello everyone. Hello. But then after I like want to get to my thing, I'm like. It it makes all the difference in the world to to those people. And I think for me, it was also being honest with my team, Mm -hmm. you know, and letting them know this isn't my strong point. I don't, you know, I'm not being rude about it. So you were upfront about it. Yeah, but I'm learning with you guys, and I'm going to do everything I can to improve. But just know it's not my strong point. And if you have any questions, you need to check with me on it. Feel free to just ask me because I may not even understand it. Gotcha. Um, So that's been that's been good. And then being very intentional. Yeah. the same thing. I walk my office and make sure I say hi to everybody, and and just try to be try to be friendly. Nice, you know. So that's good. It's seven oh seven. I want to respect Michael's time, but if you want to quickly, I don't know if, if you're gonna stick around, but I don't know if you have cards or anything that we can connect. I think with I already you. have your card. Okay, yep. and I'm being in to connect uh, with you. Yep. I'll, I'll get to each of you guys yeah, one of my cards, and then uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, you want to follow up. And again, if you need anything, for I'd, sure, I'd be glad to help you guys. Yeah, out thank, anyway. thank you so much. I, I mean, no I would say this is probably one of our best ones. Yeah. Uh, thank even, you guys. No, seriously. Yeah, yeah, we can clap it up for Michael. Yeah. They missed out. Y'all missed out. I went to you. Thanks for the Thank shirt you. finders book because yeah, there's yeah, been yeah. several times I was going to purchase it.